Good morning. I'm Pastor Jeff Dadisman, and we are live streaming this morning from St. John's United Methodist Church here in Davenport, Iowa. And I would invite you at this time to prepare your hearts for worship. Join us in our uh, Psalter reading this morning. It's Psalm 47. Cluck your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the mighty high, is to be feared. A great ruler over all the earth. Who subdues peoples on the earth and nations under our feet. Who shows our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom God loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our ruler. Sing praises. For God is the ruler of all the earth. Sing praises with the song. God reigns over, na- over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of people gather as the people of God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God, who is highly exalted. Let us pray. Almighty God, we worship you and praise you because of your love and grace for us. O Lord, we confess that we are all broken and need your healing touch in our lives. Lord, help us realize that we need the Savior, Jesus Christ, because we cannot save anyone. Lord, we thank you for gathering us here again. Grant us your mercy and fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we humbly kneel down before you. Gracious God, come and touch us. O Lord, we pray for the Pastor Jeff, our preacher, this morning. Fill his heart with the Holy Spirit. Let him proclaim your message for us. Loving God, now we come to you with the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Today's scripture reading is from 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. You may be seated. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We continue in our September series asking the question, how are you? And this morning, uh, the question we're asking is, how are you doing mentally? Um, you know, what, what's happening in our, our thoughts as we uh, maybe wrestle with stuff? And, and we're trying to, to peel back a little bit, maybe some of the, the surface responses, and, and give ourselves permission to be authentic and real. And sometimes when we're not okay, um, you know, you got to have a little more maybe conversation or, or trust to put yourself out there in front of another person. I, I hope you realize there's a connection between all four of these elements, that, that God wants to, to meet with us as, as a whole person. The question about our mental health can be difficult, especially if we feel stuck where we're at. This last week of August, we went on a, a family vacation, 
And um, it was the first time that we had tried what, what we hear, hear many of you try, where you rent a cabin and invite your adult kids to come and to bring their kids, and, and we were going to be all together. And um, we got the cabin north of Minneapolis, and, and the cabin was on a lake. And um, in, in Minnesota this summer, they haven't gotten enough rain. And so the night before we arrived, the, the, we did an Airbnb, the owner said, um, the, the water level is down a lot. We had said we rented a pontoon boat, and, and, and he assured us that we could park it behind the cabin. And So there's a dock, and he's acknowledged you, you probably can't get anywhere close to that dock, but there's, a, there's two other docks out on the channel, and the water's right there. Well, if you can imagine that little platform on the channel and about four feet of mud, um, we, we had a little bit of a hop to get from land to the boat. But every day we, uh, we would load everybody on, uh, adults and kids, and go out onto the lake. And, and, and as we turned to go down that channel, the person next to us, the cabin next to us, had a, about a 25-foot pontoon boat that was beached, essentially, in the mud. And the, the, the question everybody said out loud is, well, I wonder what it would take to get them unstuck. Gee, I sure hope they don't show up this week thinking they're going to do something with that boat. You know, it, it, it was all the way up in the mud. And, and on Friday night, uh, the neighbors arrived, six college students, you know, young uh, men age, and they're all looking at their boat, and, and they all begin to, you know, how are we going to get unstuck? What are we going to do? And, and they're, they're kind of walking in the mud and, and pushing a little bit, and it's pretty stuck. I mean, it's really stuck. And somebody says, well, we could dig a channel. And I'm like, you know, and I, they're looking around, we don't have a shovel, and that's work. So that idea was voted down. And, and then they, they kind of were pushing on it and everything, and, and they had a second fishing boat uh, that they pulled up. And, and, and it's like uh, the channel's, you know, about 20 feet across, and so they put the fishing boat here, and they hooked it onto the pontoon, and then went, you know, and, and it just didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, we, we heard a different voice, um, like a dad stepped up onto the dock and just started to ask questions, and what have you tried, what have you tried, and, and, and then began to be a little more directive. I need a couple volunteers, translate, I need all of you to get down there in the mud, and on the count of three, you're just going to push. And they're, you know, grumbling and grumbling. And, and uh, he just called it out. One, two, three, pull! And, and it moved about a foot and a half. And everybody was surprised. And, and my family is sitting there on the dock, and we're like, wow, okay, um, maybe it'll work. And, and there's pullers and there's pushers, and he just, one, two, three, pull! And the second time, it just whoosh back into the water, and they were off. Um, but, but when you're stuck and you're really stuck, sometimes that's, that's hard, and it's hard to get out by yourself. And they didn't until everybody began to pull together. Well, today, uh, the Bible has a, a story about the prophet Elijah where Elijah was really stuck. Elijah was really stuck in a low place, and, and we don't easily talk about our low places, especially when we're there, but Elijah did. He was overwhelmed by pressure, anxiety, fear. He'd hit a low, so low that he wanted to resign. And he called out to God and he begins to pray and said, God, I'm done. Uh, take me out. 
I want to die. Now, now Elijah is not a name I think any of us would associate with a person that gave up easily or at all. Uh, Elijah has a, a pretty good reputation. Uh, Elijah is right up there with Moses when, when Jesus meets on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's Moses, the giver of the law, and Elijah, the representative of all the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, I mean, he's big. He's a big name. Elijah worked miracles in the Old Testament when not very many people did. Elijah was the one who called out a weather report and said, O king, it's not going to rain for three and a half years because of your evil leadership, and God's going to judge you. And it happened, just as Elijah said. At the end of that three and a half years, he, he said, King, we're going to have a meeting on the mountain. You bring your prophets for the, the idol that you worship, and I'm going to uh, build an altar uh, to the God, the true God that I worship, and we're going to have a little contest. And he won that contest. God showed uh, power and, and fire. And, and then at the end of that day, I mean, if you can just feel, Elijah has been through a pretty tough season of demanding um, ministry. At the end of that day, he says, uh, the rain's coming, okay? You better get in your chariot, head for town, kind of get out of this setting or you're going to get stuck. And so Ahab, the king, uh, gets in his chariot. He heads back to town. Elijah, it says, girded up, him, girded up his robes kind of like this, and then he ran. I mean, it's like he, he did this Olympic marathon. It was about 14 miles back to town, and, and he was there at the gate when the king's chariot went through, and the king was kind of like, you know, how did you get here? He, he ran himself out. When you end a marathon, you're tired, right? You're spent. Elijah had a spotless record up until that moment. Never backed away. Always did what God asked him to do no matter how hard. But on the very next day, he felt the very real emo emotion of fear. Because Ahab... Jezebel kind of ran, ran the palace, and he uh, said, um, hey, you know, Elijah has won again. Elijah has bested all of your prophets. He's won again. You see the rain. Uh, he called it, and, and Jezebel just said, um, his life is forfeit. I don't care. Send a messenger, and, and Elijah who had gone through consecutive battles, victory after victory after victory, was just plain exhausted. He was poured out, used up, uh, beaten down. And, and that one little note from the queen, he ran. And he goes off into the wilderness to hide, and, and he's got a companion, and he dismisses his one supporter. And he goes on another day alone, and, and he falls down under a, a bush in the wilderness and he prays, and then he falls to sleep. And God meets Elijah in this time of despair. I just want you to notice what, what, is, what God does to a faithful servant who is washed out, beaten down, and ready to give up. God doesn't scold. God doesn't, you know, hang him out to dry. God does respond. And as Elijah is resting, sleeping under the bush, all of a sudden, an angel taps him on the arm, offering him some fresh-baked bread and a, a drink of water. 
and says, eat, and Elijah does. And he falls back to sleep, and the angel taps him a second time and says, you need to eat a little more. Uh, You're going on a journey, and and you need strength. And so he eats some more and drinks, and, and when he got up from that meal, it says he ran for 40 days and 40 nights. God directed him to go back to the mountain of God where Moses had gotten the Ten Commandments. Elijah is a tenacious defender of the way of God. He's been calling God's people to repent and to to true worship. He's been challenging the king and the queen uh, for following idols and committing injustice. And in his mind, it's all come to nothing. You know, he, he comes to God and and God pretty much says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, I, I'm the only one left. I, I've done everything you've asked and, and nothing. I, there's no fruit. There's no one to show. I, I alone am here before you, O oh God. I give up. And then God says, um, my, I think one way to understand what, what the passage says is, my glory is coming to be revealed to you on this mountain. Go outside. My glory is about to pass. Because I, I wondered as I read that, how is it that, that he's hearing the voice of the Lord and then the Lord says, I am coming. And yet in, the, in that place, it was the glory of God that surrounded Moses for 40 days. It was the Shekinah glory that would come by day and the pillar of fire by night that led the Hebrews through the wilderness. My glory is about to be revealed to you. Go stand on the mountain. And then there, there's these manifestations of great power. A, a wind tears apart the side of the mountain. An earthquake shakes all the rocks around Elijah. And then there's a fire that roars up the side. And each is followed by a footnote that says, but the Lord was not in that demonstration. And then there's a, a whisper, a gentle whisper, And Elijah is kind of in tune. Do you ever wonder what that whisper was? Elijah's got some pretty negative things going on in his thinking. I'm a failure. All this for nothing. You know, and then there's the echo that kind of says, yeah, you are a failure. And maybe in the gentle whisper, it was, Elijah, my son, I love you. I'm coming. Does God ever whisper to you? And then there's the question again, and it, and it really does in English, it does kind of feel like, you know, the scolding, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be back somewhere else. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, but Elijah kind of says again, you know, it, it's just me. I'm the only one left. And, and, and God begins to, to put something into that moment and, and says, you've been faithful. There's 7,000 other people who are looking to you, who are following your leadership, and maybe they're not as public as you, but there's 7,000 people who haven't bent the knee to those chunks of stone that the king has set up. But then uh, God does go on to, to describe, um, I have another, a little more for you to do. I have a companion that I want you to, to mentor uh, Elijah, you've gone far enough with I work alone type of uh, leadership, and I'm going to give you a partner, and you have to mentor that person, and, and he finds Elisha. 
And, and before you can die, you have to pass your mantle on to this person who will uh, take up my cause. So Elijah is kind of recalled and sent back to work. I don't know if you ever take a time out, um, but on our vacation, uh, we're, we're in a cabin with um, a lot of little kids, uh, four little ones that just never stop spinning. And, and the second afternoon, um, I was feeling just a little bit full of um, chatter and chaos, and, and, and there weren't uh, other negative voices in my head, but um, I, I was wanting to spend a little time, the one that wasn't having to take a nap was in an alternate room space, and, I, and so I step in there after lunch, and, and I said, can I come in with you? And, and uh, the little three-year-old voice says, I'm having alone time. And I was a little tired, and so I just kind of sat down on the couch in this little sunroom and, and just said, okay, I need some alone time. Can we do it together? <laughs> and she, you know, she turns her back on me and says, okay. So we were alone together for a good hour or so, and I just was reading, and, and, and it, you know, the conversation with the dolls started to be interesting, and so I could put in a little bit, but um, we were being alone together. And sometimes uh, it seems that that alone time is where God can put something positive into the conversation that we're having with ourselves. I want to share a little bit about there is a difference between struggling with our our mental thoughts and, and having a mental illness. In our uh, last season, a year and a half, adults in, ni- in 2019 reported uh, anxiety or depression at about 11% of all adults said, I-, I wrestle with depression or anxiety. In 2021, those who responded, about 41% of adults said, I- I'm struggling with anxiety, anxiety disorder or depression. There is a difference, though, between uh, struggling and having a mental illness. Sometimes they're used interchangeably in, in news reports, like they mean the same thing, but they don't. When we talk about mental health, we're, we're talking about our, our mental well-being, our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings, our ability to, to solve problems and overcome difficulties. That's uh, all a part of your mental health. Mental disorders uh, affect the way people think, behave, feel. There are many different mental illnesses that have different symptoms and can affect people very deeply. Mental health professionals offer support and and a listening ear and their expertise to help people uh, navigate that journey. In the midst of all of this, uh, somebody has posed that um, we have a lot of negative thoughts that fill our minds. That, that as you go through a day, you, you could have all the way up to 60,000 different thoughts or voices, and, and sometimes it's, it's those things that I suggested maybe Elijah was wrestling with. You know, I'm a failure. I was no good. Nobody likes me. Uh, I can't seem to ever get it right. You know, those are what I'm referring to as thoughts. And sometimes we, we wrestle with those, and, and we say, um, I wish I could just turn, out, turn it off, switch it off, get rid of all the the background chaos. And this this survey said about 80% of those thoughts are negative. And and people want there to be a switch. 
I want to pose to you that, that maybe it's more that there's a dial. It's not a switch. And, and the, the temptation in, in going for a switch is if I can turn off all that chaos, turn off that negativity, I'll be free. And then I won't have anxiety. I can relax. And then, and then if it comes back, I'm like, oh, that switch didn't work. I've I got to find a different switch. But, but if you visualize it as a dial, there are things that we do to kind of dial down the volume. And, and maybe there's a circumstance that fires it back up. You just got to find the dial and dial it down. And, and when I was in having a little alone time with my granddaughter, that was the way I was dialing it down some space, some alone time. When I get quiet and think of Elijah on the mountainside and God's whisper, uh, when God whispers to me, God's the voice that says, my son, I love you. Rest in me. And I would invite you to consider pausing in your week, your day, when, when things are going through the roof, you know, the negative voices are just overwhelming if you can visualize the dial and, and dial down all the other junk and say, God, what would you say to me? I would suggest God might say to you, my son, my daughter, I love you. Rest in my peace. When, when you consider the question, how are you? How am I? And if you're not okay, create some space to get a hold of the dial and and, and as we use some of our spiritual disciplines, as we practice uh, the presence of Christ, those are words from the past, from other Christian thinkers long ago. Practicing the presence of Christ is kind of breathing in, you know, whatever Scripture you might have. Uh, read a Scripture and then just kind of reflect on it. But give God a little time to put something better into your thinker. It's a way of dealing with those moments when you're not okay. Will you pray with me? Uh, Lord God, I, I want to thank you for the Scriptures that come to us. We've been using the Psalms uh, in this service to start our worship, not just to, to pray them together as the corporate body, but also to sing them together. And, and that's a resource we have in the middle of the Bible and we can give ourselves something a little more positive to think about as we put into that internal conversation your thoughts, oh God. I thank you for that. And I pray for each person listening today that we could just be lifted up in the presence of God and refreshed in this time and in these closing moments of worship. Continue your work inside of us so that we can be uh, ready for tomorrow, so that we can be ready to stand up and, and move into a new week, that, that we might be a voice uh, for somebody else that's been run over by life. Thank you, God, for your gifts of, of peace and joy, of being our refuge and strength. Amen. Uh, go in peace, and may God lift you up and carry you through whatever life sends your way. Amen.